This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Glad to see you here. We're going to have fun today. I promise you it's going to be good. You're going to leave here stirred up. I will tell you this before we start. Clapping, shouting, being excited about the things of God are highly encouraged here this morning, okay? It's permitted. We can get excited about the Word of God. I didn't go to the basketball game last night, but I was told it was a sellout, and people were excited, so we might as well be excited about church too, okay? It's going to be a good morning. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand, get it up. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Now, in life, it's very easy to get into ruts and routines, even patterns, and sometimes those routines and ruts aren't healthy, and we can even get to the place where we're heartless toward God, that we're so insensitive toward the things of the Holy Spirit. And so that's one of the things that I believe that that the fast can do, that it can stir things back up on the inside of you, that literally one of the best ways I can describe a fast, that it will renew you spiritually. And many times the start of year, we renew ourselves to certain memberships, we renew ourselves to subscriptions of magazines and things, But what about renewing myself to the things of God, to seek Him, to get there where I know Him deeper? Now, let me give you a proverb before we start today. Proverbs 10, verse 17 says, people who accept discipline are on the pathway to success. People who accept discipline. And so the reason I highlight the the word discipline is because fasting takes a great discipline. So we begin today, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed. Now the word blessed means happy, fortunate, to be envied. But that word blessed here indicates something that's large or a long duration. So when he talks about these blessings, he would like for that to be my entire life. So he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for a right standing with God. He didn't say blessed are those who hunger and thirst for tacos and burgers and pizza, Mountain Dew and coffee. He didn't say that. But a a right relationship with Father God. Now that verse is cross-referenced into uh, Luke chapter one, uh, 1 verse 53. And it says that he gives the ones who hunger for him, he fills them with good things. And so when I begin to hunger for the things of God, God will fill me with good things. He'll put things within me that far outlast food. Now look how this verse ends. For they shall be filled. They shall be completely satisfied. So do I hunger for a fresh encounter with God? Do I hunger for things spiritually with God? Is everything I do spiritually, is it just a routine? Is it it just a performance? Is it stale? Is it stagnant? Well, I believe here God's saying it it doesn't have to be. Now turn a couple pages to your right to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17. And remember last week we started a fast, a church-wide fast. Fasting is to refrain from food or drink. For a period of time, for a spiritual purpose. Now let me just say this. Fasting's not normal, okay? 
But anybody can be normal. Normal's overrated. And if fasting was normal, everybody would be doing it. And so I'm just going to tell you right now, it does take a great step of faith to step out there and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to honor this. But things begin to break forth when we do. Matthew 17, verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down to him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Now, that was a result of seizures. And he goes on to say here in verse 16, So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. Now, Jesus' frustration here is with the unbelieving and the unresponsive generation. And the sad thing is his disciples here had taken on that attitude themselves. And so he said, listen, guys, you're going to have to grow up. So we keep reading. He says, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Now, when I look at this, I, I believe the disciples, they knew how powerful Jesus was. They just hadn't yet learned how to appropriate the power that we have in Jesus' name. And Jesus here wasn't criticizing them. Actually, he was encouraging them to say, come on, boys, come on. You can do this. You're just going to have to step up and start trusting me. Now, he gives them advice on that as we, we keep reading here. And he says in verse 18, and Jesus rebuked the demon. He reprimanded the demon. You know, he's told me and you we can do the same thing. In Luke 10, verse 19, he said, I give you power to tread upon serpents, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means will hurt you. And so right here, not only did Jesus rebuke the demon, I believe in essence he was showing the disciples, this is what you do. You don't have to put up with that junk. When I read this, I personally believe with some things that happened within the last uh, week, this will be a year that believers will have to learn to live by their authority. I'm going to have to stand up with the name of Jesus. I'll, I'll highlight that a little bit more as we go on. So he said he rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from the very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Lord, why could we not have not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, because of your lack of faith. And so Jesus immediately hits, it's a faith issue. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed. Now Jesus says right here, our faith in God is like a seed. And he likens it to a mustard seed. And so he tells me immediately that there's all kinds of potential within just the little seed. Even if it's a mustard seed. Now, he says, if you have the faith of the mustard seed, how do I release that faith? How do I put that faith into motion? Well, what does the Lord Jesus said? You will say to this mountain, once again, part of the way that my faith is ignited is I begin to speak it out of my mouth. And I begin to say the things that God says. And I keep speaking those things. And what happens is when I release that... 
it takes on the ability, it takes on the character, it takes on the miracle working power of God himself. What's the mountain in your life today? And how are you addressing it? He goes on to say, and you will say to this mountain, an hindrance, an obstacle, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, if I'll act on this, nothing will be impossible for me. And with God, it's impossible when it gets in the hands of God and God uses or operates who, who through people who understand their authority. He's just looking for ones who understand their authority. Now, the other day, let's see, it was Friday evening, I was on the phone with my brother, and he was telling me about some of the things that the Lord began to do in his life. In, in Clovis, which is Curry County, it has a huge dairy population. Uh, over the, the weekend when we had the storm Goliath, in that county alone, 40,000 dairy cattle died. 40,000. My brother's son-in-law is a dairyman. So he asked his son-in-law, he said, from, from the time that a dairy cow is born until he dies, how much is that dairy cow worth? And he said, we estimate they're worth about 25000 That was a billion dollars that that county lost. So last Wednesday morning, a group of men in the church there, they began to pray. And my brother said he began to weep. And one of the guys said, what's, what's going on? What, why are you weeping and all that? And he said, well, the Lord has rebuked me very strongly. He's corrected me and said, you could have permitted, or you could have kept that from happening. And he said, I've given my children authority here on earth. Matthew 16, 19, he says, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And the Lord said to him, you could have done something about it. And my brother said, Father God, I, I didn't know anything about this storm. And he said, yeah, you were too busy with all your Christmas activities. And I can tell you this in my own life. After last Sunday night and I watched the war room for the first time, I had to repent. The Lord rebuked me very strongly and he said, you need to raise your level of prayer. You need to pray more than you ever have. And so right here, I begin to sense this, guys. There is a season of prayer, but not only prayer, that I've got to understand my authority. And remember, every bit of that's in the name of Jesus. If you're a believer, you're born again, you have a right to use the name of Jesus. So don't put up with all the crap that the devil's bringing you in your house. Don't bring, put up with that junk in your marriage with your kids. Don't put up in the name of Jesus. You know, in Isaiah 54, the, the prophet Isaiah said, no weapon formed against me will prosper. And so that's where we got to begin to stand. Now, when we read this passage here, oftentimes we quit in verse 20. But Jesus didn't quit. And I know in many translations, uh, it gives verse 20, 21, but there are some that omit verse 21. Almost all of them, though, don't. Now, listen to what it says. However or how be it. This kind does not go out except by prayer and by fasting. This hindrance, 
this obstacle, this wall will not go away. And I highlight the word except by prayer and fasting. He didn't say just by praying and he didn't say just by fasting. He said by prayer and fasting. Now here's the question for me and you today. If I have an obstacle, an hindrance, or a wall in my life that I hadn't been able to get rid of, and if I had the opportunity to fast and pray, and it would go, would I be willing to do it? Would I take that step of faith and say, Father God, I'm going to step out, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to believe you. And remember Proverbs 10 and 17, people who accept discipline are on the pathway of life. What a challenge today, huh? See, it challenges me even in my own area. There's certain things that I don't like and the Lord's saying, come on up a little higher. My prayer for my life and for you is this. Lord, pull me a little deeper. Draw me a little closer than I've ever been before. Now turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 9 and I want to give you another scenario here. Acts chapter 9 is where we're headed. Think about this as you're turning to Acts 9. Every assignment has a birthplace. Every assignment. Do you have areas in your life right now that you're needing guidance? That you're needing understanding? Is there something in your life that really, really needs to just break loose? Where you say, okay, Father God, show me, Lord, show me. Now, in this passage in Acts 9, it talks about a man named Saul who had been persecuting the church, and he's on his way to Damascus to persecute the Christians. On that way, a light from heaven shines down upon him, and he says, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus answered and says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now, we pick up with this story right here in verse 6 of Acts 9. So he, Saul, trembling astonished, said, Lord... What do you want me to do? That may have been some of you's prayer in the last week. Maybe today you said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know about you. I like godly guidance. I like godly intervention. I don't like to do life by by chance, hit and miss. I would rather hang on to the things of God. And it's interesting in the Bible there, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Romans 8.16 says that the Spirit of God will bear witness with my spirit. I can be led by the Spirit of God, but I've got to get in the presence where I can hear from Him. So He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And so in this sense, to a degree, he's blind physically. But he was also blind spiritually. He didn't know what to do. And I wonder how many believers we go through life blind spiritually. Now, this next verse is really interesting. Watch verse 9, what takes place here. And he was there three days without sight. And he neither ate nor drank. So you know what Paul does here? He goes on a three-day fast. And after that takes place, the Lord raises up a man named Ananias, and Ananias goes to him and says, 
listen, Saul, this is what you must do. And because he fasted, he prayed, he waited on the Lord, he got direction that changed the course of his entire life. This became the greatest disciple of all time right here. So I ask you again right now the questions. What areas of your life do you need some direction? Do you need God's, Pastor, I need to know what to do about school. I need to know what to do about a job. I need to do what to do in my marriage. Some of you are saying, actually, I just want to get married. Well, why don't you ask God to help you? Say, Lord, help us. So I think I'm safe to say every one of us in this room probably need guidance in some area of our life. But again, it goes back to the challenge. Am I willing to fast and pray and seek God to get in that point in my life? Turn with me into the Old Testament to the book of Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, and you say, where in the world is that? Well, uh, Ezekiel back, you'll hit Daniel. After Daniel, you hit Hosea. And after Hosea, you'll hit Joel. If you've gone to famous Amos, you've gone too far. Back up, okay? okay? As you're turning there, let me tell you about this guy named Joel. And I, I believe personally it's probably pronounced a little different in the Hebrew language. But we're not in the Hebrew word today, okay? We're in pastor's English. He, he has a tough enough time in English. So we're just going to call him Joel. The word Joel, his name specifically means Yahweh is God. Now, if your name is Joel, I don't know if you knew that, but every time somebody says, hey, Joel, they're actually saying Yahweh is God. This was a prophet. He loved the things of God. But where he's at at this time, the people of Judah had become so prosperous that it led them to being complacent. They quit serving God. It led them to leaving a life of being self-centered. And, and Joel knew that if there was a divine intervention, it was going to get bad. And it did get bad. It got so bad that there were swarms of locusts that came like the world had never seen is what it says. So it was a bad situation. So we begin, Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. Not a little bit, not when it's convenient. Turn to me with all your heart. One translation says, return to God where there is, while there is time with all your heart and not with superficial holiness. Not with this outward act. How do I turn to God with all my heart? Look what he says next. With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. The first thing he said was with fasting. And when you see the words weeping and mourning, that's always associated with people that become uh, remorseful for their sin. They become grieved by their sin and they're like, Father God, I'm sorry. And so he's saying, listen, we got to get to a place where we fast, but we got to get to a place where we repent too. Keep reading. So rid your heart and not your garments. Now an Old Testament custom is when life really got bad and they were in grief, they would literally rip their clothes. They would rip their garments. But this time, the prophet Joel says, listen boys, it's not about ripping your garments, it's about ripping your heart. 
We need a change of heart. In other words, the Lord was saying, I don't want an outward display. I want to see something from your heart. And that's a call for America today. So it goes on and say, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. This is the promise when we return to him. Verse 14. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. A grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. Now you know what they're saying here? If we do turn back to him, I hope he'll bless us. I hope he'll leave us something. Their life is so bad right now. They don't have anything to give the Lord, whether a grain offering or a drink offering. They have nothing. And so they're saying, Lord, we call out to you to give us something so we can honor you with it. Verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Now this wasn't the first time in this chapter that he says that. In in Joel chapter 2 verse 1, he says, blow the trumpet in Zion. The first warning was to warn them with impudent danger. They say, get ready, something's going to happen. But again, he says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Now watch what he says here. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. We got to have a fast. Call a sacred assembly and gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Do you know you're never too old to fast? One of the crosses there for elders not only meant a leader, but it also talked about the elderly. Luke 2, starting in verse 36, 37, and 38, it talks about a woman named Anna who was a prophetess. And it specifically says, she served me night and day with prayer and fasting. Do you know what I'm telling you? If you think you're old, you're not. God's not done with you. So he says... Sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, the nursing babes, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Now think about this. He blows this trumpet and the Lord says, call a fast, a corporate fast with every one of us. And he says, from the oldest to the children to the babies and even the guy and the gal who are on the process of getting married, he said, This is so serious. This is priority. You tell the bride and you tell the groom, postpone the wedding because they need to come and fast. And the reason he says that is because he knows that if they all don't fast and pray, it's going to affect every one of them. It's the same with us, guys. There's a time that we rise up and we heed these things. Verse 17. Let the priest who ministered to the Lord, weep before the porch and the altar. Now this is interesting right here. When I really begin to dig and study this, he said to the priest, weep at the porch and weep at the altar. What does that mean? The porch was on the way into the temple. The porch was a public place. But in Old Testament times, the only one that went into the temple or to the altar, 
was the priest. And when the priest went in there, it became very, very private. Our victories of men and women of faith, our victories are birthed in the private. With little private discipline, there's little public reward. If I took you back to Matthew 6 where we started last week and Jesus' three great words were when you give, when you fast, and when you pray. He said, do those in the secret place. And when you do those in the secret place, God will reward you openly. And so God is looking for us to do stuff in the public. And one of the worst things that happened to us in our society right now is this thing called social media. Everybody wants to take selfies of themselves and say, Woo, look what I'm doing for God. Let me tell you guys, there's something about the Bible that we better stay a hold of. And I'm not against social media completely. And I'm not against you taking selfies completely. But there's got to be a balance in this. But something happens when I discipline myself in the public. It's just between me and God. No one else sees. And watch what happens here. Let them say or let them pray, spare your people, O Lord. Spare your people. Do not give your heritage reproach or mockery or a joke that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? So Joel calls this fast because the people were in great defeat, great famine, great despair. They had no vision. And so the call was, we got to fast, we got to pray, and we got to humble ourselves. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll heal their land. Again, I believe the greatest thing that happened to America right now is the body of Christ starts fasting and praying and seeking God's face. God can change America, but he's not going to change it with the way we're going. So in this passage here, they call this fast. I want you to see the result of the fast. Now watch this. This is verse 23, same chapter. Be glad then, you children of Zion, all you children of Judah, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former reign faithfully. God is faithful. He's faithful and just. He's so faithful, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain, which was in the autumn, and the latter rain in the first month, which was the spring. Now, in their life, this was huge. They were all farmers. And so it was big that all of a sudden they began to get the rain. If you go back and look at Old Testament times, anytime God wanted to get their attention, he would withhold rain. All of a sudden, he's blessing them again with rain. Verse 24. The threshing floors will be full of wheat. They'll be piled high. And the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust. My great armage which I sent among you. 
Now, when I read that right there, God said, I'm going to give you full restoration. Everything that's been stole from you. Now, in my Bible, I highlighted one word there, the word years. It was plural. God said everything that those chewing, consuming, those lousy locusts stole from you, I'm going to restore it. You know how that looks in my life? Everything the stinking devil has tried to steal from me. He said he'll restore it. When I begin to get over and I begin to believe him and I begin to trust him and I get over him fast, just like he said. Now watch what he says. Verse 26. You shall eat plenty and be satisfied. Oh, happy day. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dwelt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and I am the Lord your God and there's no other. My people shall never be put to shame. And he says that twice there. And when he says my people will never be put to shame, it was in reference to verse 17 when they begin to pray. They went on a fast and they begin to pray and God began to move. God restored their nation. God restored their families. God restored their crops, their means, everything in their life. But it didn't stop there. Now watch what happens in verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The word pour out there means in a great abundance. On all flesh. This is what the apostle Peter prophesied in Acts 2. This exact thing here. And when he said, I'll I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, he didn't necessarily mean individually. He meant in categories. Watch how this plays out here. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Now listen real close. Whatever was available to your sons, it's available to your daughters. And what's ever available to your daughters, it's available to your sons. And he says, your old men shall dream dreams. And in the Old Testament, this was a form of prophecy. And your young men shall see visions. And I don't know about you, I rejoice for the day to see children prophesy. I rejoice for the day when I see the old men dream dreams and see visions and prophesy. And he promised this, but every bit of this was birthed as they fasted and they prayed. Now watch how he ends right here. And also on my men servants and my maid servants... I will pour out my spirit in those days. The mid-servants and the maid-servants were slaves. And the only ones that prophesied in the Old Testament were the Jews. You know who the men-servants and the maid-servants were, I believe? I believe that was all us in this room that are Gentiles. And you know what he said? The day's coming when you even little knuckle-headed Gentiles, you're going to prophesy. The things of God are going to begin to roll out of you. And so when I read all this, I begin to look and say, they fasted and they prayed. They stood as a body of believers. Just like all of us in this room can do. And so again, I do something. Do something that will stretch your faith. Do something that will cause your tummy to growl. And when it growls, say, instead of going to get to it, something to eat, I'm going to pray. Do something. Stretch your faith 
And watch what God will do because, again, what I do in the public or in the private, he'll reward me in the public. God's wanting to do something. And part of that is he's wanting to tear walls down. I don't care what the walls are in your life. Some of you are bound by addictions. Some of you are bound by by bitterness. Some of you have anger issues. Some of you are depressed. Some of you need healing. Some of you just need a fresh touch from God. But what would happen this morning if we came down here and said, Lord, I repent for the sin of my life. I repent for being complacent. I repent for a lack of gratitude, Father God. And then I get over and say, Lord, I'm trusting you that the walls in my life are coming down. They're coming down. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.